Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, presented by Lining Kugels, about whom we'll talk more about later when we get to the Week 20 Pitching and Hitting Planners. I'm Chris Towers. That's Scott White. It is a Kokomo Friday. It is the last episode until Frank comes back and I can get a full night of sleep. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. On today's episode... You know, kind of weird night of baseball. Scott and I were talking about this before the show, and there were only really three pitchers on the schedule, I think. You can, I think you can say three, yeah, three pitchers on the schedule who, in the recent past at least, have been legitimate must-start pitchers. I guess you might be able to make a case for a couple of other ones at some point this season, but who were legitimately viewed as really, really good, reliable, must-start fantasy pitchers. All three of them pitched today. All three of them pitched poorly today. And that has been in keeping with a theme. That has been Aaron Nola, Framber Valdez, and Sonny Gray. And so we're okay, going to start so off the show. Well, it was the same one. Same we three, talking. yeah. I mean, we never actually named them to each other. It wasn't Daniel Lynch, although he did actually have a, a somewhat <laughs> yeah. interesting start Well, today. I was just wondering, like, Joe Ross... Maybe Rich Hill, maybe Dallas Keuchel. I, but yeah, I mean, those not as high end as the three you just named in, in, in the recent past. Yeah, and so what we usually do is we, we start off with, oh my goodness gracious, and do some news, and you know we'll get to all that. But what I want to do, I was having a lot of trouble. Usually what I've been doing this week is kind of breaking all the pitchers down into the good pitchers, the maybe good pitchers, and the bad pitchers. And the bad pitchers, you know, we don't spend a lot of top time talking about. You know, we don't really need to know that Tyler Anderson gave up two runs to the Yankees today. That doesn't really matter. So it's those first two groups. And I'm just trying to figure out whether those three belong among the good pitchers with a period, perhaps an exclamation point, or do they belong among the good pitchers with a question mark. And that is Aaron Nola, who gave up five earned runs, five hits, three walks, seven strikeouts to the Washington Nationals, uh, a bad Washington Nationals lineup, mind you. Uh, Framber Valdez, who actually pitched deep into the game, six and two-third, gave up six hits, four earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. And then Sonny Gray, who only went five innings, six hits, four earned runs allowed. All three of these pitchers have really been struggling quite a bit lately and so i'm wondering and and maybe we'll define it like this to belong among the good pitchers these three i would say would probably have to be let's call them top 40 pitchers are aaron nola framber valdez and sunny gray top 40 pitchers for you right now well, I think one firmly is. Yes, Aaron Nola. I think one barely is. I don't I think know which one. Is one. Not. I don't know which one is barely. So, I'm, I'm going to say Framber Valdez barely is. Okay. What is, well, let's start with Aaron Nola, who had another poor results start. Obviously, the three walks and five innings, that's not what you want to see. Velocity and spin rate were actually up in this start. That hasn't been an issue. Only nine whiffs. He gave up two hard hit balls. And he had an yeah. 80.7 mile per hour average exit velocity against. That's tiny. 
I mean, that's really good quality of contact suppression there. Yeah. What's wrong with Aaron Nola? And is the answer probably nothing? Yes. I, I think for most of the stretches this year where he struggled, most of what's responsible for him having an ERA over four, the problem was too many home runs. Mm-hmm. Too many fly balls, too many home runs. That clearly wasn't the problem in this one. He only gave up one home run. He allowed a not very hard contact at all. A lot of soft contact. Uh, his problem certainly hasn't been missing bats this season. That's been Fuck. about what. Yeah, it's been it's been Aaron Nola has been as good at this at that this year as ever. So he, he's talked about it too. He's had trouble uh, keeping his pitches down in the zone, and and that's something that's come up previously in his career. Remember when they had Chris Young as their pitching coach in 2019? He and Aaron Nola kind of clashed over that because Young wanted him pitching up in the zone more. That's kind of a modern approach to how you use a fastball, but mm-hmm. not every pitcher's fastball is really optimized for that. And Nola didn't feel like his was. He was more comfortable pitching down in the zone. And then Chris Young was gone last year, and we saw Nola have a, a nice bounce back season. So um, he seems to think it's a key to his success, keeping the ball down. The, the home run output against him this year would seem to suggest it's a key to his success. And in his last three starts, he's done a better job of it. It's just that this one, I, I, think, I think this one was mostly bad luck. The yeah, and, two and, starts were good. It's and really one bad pitch. Um, he gave up a three-run home run to Josh Bell. He was pitching pretty well before that. Uh, I think that was in that fifth inning, and that kind of became... Uh, his last inning as a result. Yeah, it was the bottom of the fifth. He gave up a home run to Josh Bell. And I want to see how... Yeah, I mean, that was a, it was a shot. 413 feet, 109.6 uh, mile per hour. It was not a cheapie. But, you know, I, I think there's probably a lot of people concerned about Aaron Nola right now. I don't think you should be. You know, you look at... We talked about this earlier, I think, on Tuesday when you said he was one of the players you would want to trade for. And... That 2019 season is the is the comp that we would think of for what ha- what is happening right now. It's his worst ERA uh, since 2016 before this season. He's up to 449 now. He was at 387 before uh, in 2019. The difference is one he had his highest walk rate by far in 2019. It was a 9.4 percent walk rate. Hello, uh, my my cat David Bowie. For those of you who are watching, is hanging out on my desk, as always, when I don't kick her out. Um, he had 387 ERA, but that was with a 426 XERA, a 403 FIP, a 382 XFIP, a 387 Sierra. Basically, it was the, sorry, 414 Sierra. It was the worst season of his career. He just didn't pitch well by his standards in 2019. This season... Yeah, he's got a 4.49 ERA, but he actually has the lowest walk rate of his career. He has the second highest strikeout rate of his career. He's got a 3.64 xERA coming into today's start. I would imagine that actually went down uh, based on how little hard contact he gave up. And he's got a 3.55 FIP and a 3.47 xFIP, which are right around where he's been for most of his career. So. Mm-hmm it doesn't seem like Aaron Nola should be pitching poorly. Like 2019, it was hard to figure out what had gone wrong, but also he earned that ERA. This season, it's not necessarily clear. Yes, he is giving up more fly balls. His average launch angle has gone from 9.2 degrees to 13.1 over the last three seasons. It was 8.6 last season. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's part of it, but I don't, it doesn't seem like he's earned his poor production so far is no. the way I would put it. Basically since then it's been Aaron Nola and I would not be surprised at all if from today forward, like he goes on a run where he's from today forward, the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, we've seen those stretches the, from him. Yeah. We've seen those stretches before from him. And obviously that's, you know, only one pitcher can be the best pitcher in baseball from today forward, so the odds are against it being him. But I, I'm, I'm saying I think he's still capable of having that kind of run. 
All right, so Aaron Nola definitively still good. Is he a top 20 starting pitcher for you still? Yep. He is for me as well. Um, now, Framer Valdez, you said he's just barely a top 40 starting pitcher. And, you know, I get that. Uh, he got off to a really good start that really made it seem like his 2020, um, you know, in the small sample size, it wasn't just that he you know, was backing it up. He was pitching even better. He was still getting elite ground balls, but he was uh, getting more strikeouts than he had last season. Since July 1st, Framber Valdez has been kind of a mess. Uh, now, let me see. It's four on runs today in six and two thirds. So that raised his ERA a little bit. It was already above four uh, over the, the previous six starts. So mm-hmm. I would guess it's in the four, two range. Let me just, add that up while I'm filibustering here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I got it. 4.75. That's not right. I did the math wrong somewhere. <laughs> it's above four. It's between four and yeah. five. I think um, that, I, over a short stretch. But yeah. it's not... Well, it's seven starts now. And that is a short stretch. But the stretch of Framber Valdez being a very good pitcher is 17 starts. You know, 11 last season, 10 starts last year, plus one relief appearance, six to start this season. So, you know, seven is smaller than 16. I think it's just a six-start stretch, Chris, where he hasn't been good. Well, I'm counting the July 1st start because that was when his control problem oh, started. He I only gave you. up two okay. earned runs in that one, but yeah, that's two the key runs for seven, me. but he walked five. Gotcha. He has, uh, after today, he has thir- 27 walks in his last 40 innings pitched. So, mm-hmm. you know... Obviously, it is a small sample size, but the thing with Framber Valdez was his control was really, really bad his first two seasons in the majors, 2018 and 2019. Then he posted much better walk rate last season to, uh, let's see, 2.0 per nine, you know, more than uh, nearly a third what it was in 2019. And now it's back up to 4.1 for the season entering today. It's going to be higher than that after today's start. I just wonder if he just pitched over his head for a little while and he's falling back on, on bad habits. Now, he, he is still, he has still been in my top 40. And I'm looking around and like, I can definitely move him down and I can definitely move other guys who are above him, ahead of him. But there are also some guys in the 35 to 40 range who I actually do need to move down. So Mm. I'm not, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking 38, 39, maybe is what I'm thinking. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible that he just had a stretch of three months between this year and last where he kept finding the strike zone in a way he never did before. And, Mm -hmm. and, That'll never happen again. That's a, that's a plausible scenario. He is so good at the one thing he's so good at. Yes. Inducing ground balls. His ground ball rate was by far the best in the majors last year. And it's like 10 percentage points higher this year. It is otherworldly how he puts the ball on the ground. So, you know, he, he 70.1% right now. He doesn't need to be an amazing control pitcher. He, he can be a baddish control pitcher and still be a good fantasy pitcher. He needs to be a better control pitcher than he's been here since the start of July. Yeah. But, you know, that's... Pitchers can go through stretches where they have worse control and then go through stretches where they have better control. I think the main thing I would say about Framber Valdez, you know, to, to, in support of him is that he hasn't, you know, we, we're talking about how bad this stretch is. It's bad, and yet he has an ERA below five during it. You know, it's not like yeah. he has an ERA of eight during this stretch. He's getting shellacked. In fact, there hasn't been a single start during the stretch in which Framber Valdez has scored negative fantasy points. He's been a positive contributor every time. So in a points league, I, I don't even know that you have much incentive to bench him. In mm-hmm. categories league, he's certainly hurting your whips, hurting your ERA a little bit. Um, but 
you know, I, I think if this is, I think that this is what bad Framber Valdez looks like. If you have any hope that he can rebound and be uh, the better version of himself, then you can, you can withstand this. I, I think this is okay. It's a four two okay. eight ERA over the last seven starts since July first. Just uh, to okay. clarify, so yeah, I, I think that's. I think the biggest thing is like if he can his season year his season walks per nine now is four point one four percent. It's ten or four point one per nine, ten point seven percent. In twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen, he was above thirteen percent. I think that's where it starts to get into the danger zone because yes, he keeps the ball on the ground. He's not going to give up home runs, but you know, you're also, your Babbitt is going to be higher when you give up hip, uh, a lot of ground balls. And so far it's been 274. So that hasn't hurt him yet. You know, that's somewhere that like, you know, if the, if the whip is in the one, three, five range, one, three, five to one, four, which it's been higher than that over the last seven starts, that's where you get in trouble. I think. So I, I, I agree probably still in the top 40, but Definitely more Marcus Stroman than uh, peak Dallas Keuchel, like he might have looked like at one point. Um, and Marcus Stroman's still very good. Sonny Gray, not a top 40 starting pitcher for you. And I think that's interesting, but I don't necessarily disagree. He gave up four runs and five innings on six hits, two walks. Velocity and spin rate both way down for him. Um, I guess velocity wasn't quite as, you know, Relatively speaking, it was like one mile per hour, maybe 1.5 today. Spin rates have been consistently down, you know, 200. And we're at the point where you're talking about uh, probably half his starts have come uh, or maybe a third of his starts have come since the sticky substance ban. So the fact that there's still several hundred RPMs below his season average uh, Mm. tells you that they're still very, very low, relatively speaking. 609 ERA, 38 strikeouts, 11 walks in 31 innings over the last six starts since going coming back from the IL for Sonny Gray. Do you just not believe he can turn it around? I mean, Sonny Gray, that that history. You were down on him coming into the season. That well, that history is fraught because there's probably been about going into three seasons, I've been ex- probably three seasons over the course of how long has he been around? He's been around at least a decade, right? And probably for three of those seasons, we went into this year and I was exceptionally high on him, <laughs> including last season. Yep. And every time he's disappointed. And look, he's a good ground ball pitcher, he's a pretty good bat misser. But. He's just never seems to bring it all together for very long. I mean, you look at his game log. He did have a 288 ERA in 2019. We we should right, point I, that I, out. He right. was a Cy Young contender that year. He was great, but he never sustains it from year to year, which is why he keeps sure. You know, yes, <laughs> which is why he keeps letting me down. Um, and yeah, since his first handful of starts last year, it's been he's just been mediocre. I, I'm surprised his. XFIP is as low as it is. His XFIP, because his ERA is over four. His XFIP is 326. His ERA is 444. So XFIP is more than a point lower than his ERA. That's a really low XFIP. And uh, normally, you know, I, I trust the XFIP over the ERA. But in, in his case, with his history, well, uh, the thing and, is, and the, and, and the fact he's not really providing innings, and the fact his whip is crazy high in addition to the ERA. The, the just, thing is, he is someone who in my, my mental picture of Sonny Gray is lots of strikeouts, if he command, gets hit hard. His XERA is 367, which takes into account how hard the ball is hit. His average exit velocity is actually in the 87th percentile. His hard hit rate allowed is in the 89th percentile. He's actually been really good at suppressing hard contact, and that's been the case the last couple of years. So that's the thing that I'm struggling with is, like, I could see him being someone who gets a lot of strikeouts but just doesn't pitch all that well in, like, a, I don't know, the way, like, Michael Pineda's been for most of his career, where it's just, like, we, we it seems like he should be better, but he just gets hit so hard that it doesn't work out. That hasn't been the case for Sonny Gray. He's just been inconsistent and i don't know 
what exactly to make of that. I do still have him inside of my top 40, but I have dropped him. Um, and he's right well, in the top 40. He's right around uh, Framber Valdez. And I'm not, you know, top 40 is a high bar to meet. He's, yes. you know, probably the top 60 are rostered everywhere. The top 60 starting pitchers. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's in my top 60. So uh, he I'm not has saying to be. He's, I'm not saying he's junk or anything. I, I just treat him, I guess, as a matchups type because... Mm-hmm. You know he he isn't consistent enough, and he is. If you've if you've started him every turn, he's hurt your ERA and WHIP in a in a pretty significant way. Um, so, but tonight you know, was against I, the Pirates. Yeah. So you, yeah, very difficult to trust. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think maybe the difference between him and Framber Valdez, because they both have control issues, they both have uh, they're both really good ground ball pitchers. Um. Frommer Greg gets more strikeouts, but as a trade-off, maybe, mm-hmm. he has a hard time going six innings. Yes. And I, I feel like pitchers who don't get, go six innings that often, unless their ratios are just amazing, is really hard for them to be impact pitchers in fantasy. And Frommer Valdez is one of the best at going six innings consistently. Yes. So that I, I think that might be the reason I like Frommer Valdez more, even though... Um, that makes you know, sense. You look at the you, you look at the ratios, and you might come away a little more impressed with Gray. That makes sense. I mean, he's still. I think Fromber's actually just below six innings per start over his last seven, but that's again a very bad stretch for him in terms of his walks. All right, let's move on to some of the other stuff we've got on the show. Again, we we've got a uh, week twenty pitching and hitter planners is going to be very important because some playoffs are starting. Uh, Although I feel like I might be in the the that the one league I'm in there where the playoffs start this week, I think that might be an Adam Azer. We're gonna end <laughs> the season before the football season starts. Special. I think that's why we start so early because yeah, no minor started that early. Yeah, probably at least two or three weeks away from yeah. most playoffs. But still, you're trying to make the playoffs even if your mm-hmm. playoffs haven't started. So it's very important. We'll get to that shortly, but. Let's get to some of the news from Thursday. And the big news, Juan Soto is dealing with knee pain. He left after he felt it while running the bases in the ninth inning, and he will be evaluated Friday. No reason right now to think that this is a serious injury. We'll know more on Friday, obviously, and we'll you know have that for you on Monday's episode of the podcast. Um, but it's certainly not what you want to see. Um, so hopefully Juan Soto's okay. Um, some of the yeah, they new- said they're they said they're not going to push him. I don't know if that's the exact quote, but that was yeah. That that seems uh, likely. Obviously, with them out of it, you know, he might go on the IL just for the the sake of rest. Sure. So keep that in mind. All right. Some of the other news: Clayton Kershaw is hoping to return quote sometime in September. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. He may not be able to com- contribute for you in a head-to-head points league. You know, if you're desperate with those shallower rosters and there's a, a difference maker potentially on waivers, like if you need to win three games to make the playoffs, I think you could consider dropping Clayton Kershaw because he's definitely not going to help you in those three weeks. I think there's probably a scenario where you might have to drop him, but I would I would look to avoid it oh, as certainly. much as I possibly could. If you, If you hope to win the title... Uh, you're going to have a much better chance if Kershaw is back for you, and and he can't he can't make it back for you if he's not on your roster. Yep. Luis Robert Luis Robert will not return from his rehab assignment this weekend. A decision will be made on Sunday. So my read of that is as long as he makes it through this weekend at AAA, okay, he will be back on uh, Monday. Eloy Jimenez will play the outfield Friday, so fingers crossed. It's always an adventure out there. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, Gary Sanchez was placed on the COVID IL. Josh Donaldson was back in the lineup Thursday after missing, I think it was about a week, give or take a couple of pinch hitting appearances with a hamstring injury. Nick Castellanos was activated from the IL as expected. Went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts and a walk, but it's good to see him back. Uh, I'm I'm interested in seeing how this goes. Yeah. Considering microfracture in his wrist. Yeah, microfracture in his wrist. No rehab assignment. We'll see. Yeah. You know, hopefully it's not the kind of thing that, that just lingers and, and saps him of his, you know, grip strength or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. which would, I guess, be the function 
that would cause it to limit him. Uh, Jared Walsh is likely to be activated soon. He's coming back from an intercostal strain. Luis Severino will make a second rehab start on Sunday. Brandon Belt returned from the IL as expected, went one for three with an RBI while batting seventh before being replaced late in the game. Francisco Lindor is starting to hit off a tee. He's been taking grounders and running around. That is a, a good sign as he returns from this oblique injury and, you know, maybe makes you think he could only be two weeks out, which would be much better than we feared. And, you know, I, I do remember Lindor having that calf injury before the 2019 season. I believe it was 2019. And we thought he was going to miss a month, maybe more. And he ended up coming back after a couple of weeks and showed no ill effects from it. So I don't know. He, he might just be good at healing. Maybe he's a, <laughs> maybe he's a superhero. Uh, Travis Darno caught Ian Anderson's rehab start Thursday. So there's two pieces of news in one. Ian Anderson made his first rehab start Thursday. And we'll catch Waskari Noah. So there's a third piece of news that Waskari Noah will make a rehab start on Friday. And then Travis Darno will pinch hit on or DH on Sunday. So I would think that means Travis Darno is probably going to be back next week. Is he a mm-hmm. top 12 catcher when healthy? I wouldn't say top 12. Obviously not an extended track record. He was great last year during the short season. He was pretty good in 2019. After not he got so traded great. to the Braves, especially. Uh, or no, the, no I, the race. 2020 was his first year with the Braves. It was when he got traded to the race, sorry. Okay. You know, not didn't get off to a good start this year before getting hurt. I would I would say he's a top 15 catcher, but I, w- I could probably come up with 12 names I'd rather have than Darno. Okay. Sorry, I was just taking a quick note there. Sorry for the pause. Andrew Benintendi was out of the lineup. Uh, again, that's two games in a row. He's missed with that shoulder injury. I don't know. Hopefully he's not placed on the IL, but, you know, if he's missing multiple games, it looked pretty bad on Tuesday. You know, we'll see. Uh, Nico Horner played catch, did some running drills. Uh, he's coming back from that oblique injury, so still a ways to go there. Uh, we'll see when he starts swinging the bat. Evan Longoria began his rehab assignment at AAA on Thursday. He's been out since June. Hopefully he'll be back relatively soon. Robbie Grossman left the game after getting hit by a pitch on the left elbow. Uh, just seems to be a contusion. Uh, the Red Sox acquired Delano DeShields Jr., sent him to AAA. Kevin Gosman was placed on paternity leave. Doesn't seem like it's going to cost him a start. He pitched yesterday, sir, on Wednesday, so, you know, that's good. Um, Just Sheffield will begin his rehab assignment Friday. Justin Dunn has, is, quote, falling behind in his recovery from a shoulder injury, so that's not good news. He's behind schedule. I don't know if it was a setback or what, but uh, probably won't see him back this season at this point, I would guess. Yuli Gurriel missed his third straight game with that neck stiffness. TJ Antone will begin a rehab assignment soon. Wandy Peralta will start for the Yankees on Friday. That will be his first start uh, in his major league career. We're going to guess it's a bullpen game. And Trevor Bauer's administrative leave was extended to August 13th. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the Week 20 Hitting and Pitching Planners, presented by Line of Kugels. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. And we're back for the Week 20 Pitcher and Hitter Planners, presented by Line and Kugels. Let's start off with uh, some two-start pitchers, Scott. Uh, you sent me your list that'll be out on Friday on CBSSports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. And uh, 
you know, you, you, you made a couple of tiers. I'm assuming the tier that starts with Eduardo Rodriguez is the like two start streamers tier. Is that correct? It's, it's kind of the points league only. Okay. Tier of two star pitchers. Everyone above him is pretty much rostered everywhere except for Jamison Tyon probably. Yeah. Yeah. I could see everyone above in the tier above him. Actually, Jamison Tyone is is beyond uh, beyond the oh, threshold he, of being okay. recommended as a sleeper. He's he's been picked up in too many leagues now. Uh, but John Gray is seventy eight percent rostered. He's the least rostered of that second tier. He's he has two road starts. The matchups aren't great at Houston at San Francisco, but he hasn't had a bad start since returning from the IL. Yeah, and. Um, Sliders looked really good. It, it's been one of the best stretches of his career, honestly. So in shallow leagues, I would call John Gray a sleeper. Maybe some of you you out there who play uh, somewhere other than CBS, if you play for Yahoo or ESPN, Gray is much more available than just the 22% of leagues where he's at CBS. But in any case. And then Carlos John Carrasco. Gray, uh yeah. Probably going to give you six innings in it a week for the first time this season because he's got two starts versus Washington versus Dodgers. One really good matchup, <laughs> one really tough one. Yep. That's I a, would recommend him in most leagues. Yep. It makes me a little nervous in a roto league, but yeah, I, I think you'd probably do it. I, I, that Dodgers start could really blow up his ratios, but I think I would probably do it. You and I disagreed on Casey Mize on yesterday's podcast. I'm much lower on him than you are, but. He's at Baltimore versus Cleveland. I think you probably mm-hmm. start him there. Those are, like, yeah. I, I think yeah, he's that, going to struggle at some point, but he'll probably keep pitching pretty well against those two. Yeah, I would think so. And I would put him a tier lower if both of those matchups weren't what, if those two matchups weren't what they were. I wouldn't have him as, uh, I call this second tier sleepers and questionables. And I have Casey Mize in there, you know, but basically. In most leagues, you're probably starting him just like you are Carrasco, just like you are John Gray. It's really the next tier where uh, the guys tend to be more available, but there's a reason they're available, and yes. probably they should stay available in leagues where you're preserve, looking to preserve ERA and whip. But if you're just looking for volume... Eduardo Rodriguez versus Tampa group. and versus Baltimore, those are I, I would start him in a Roto or a points league, actually. Uh, but and he's I'm, actually, he's actually not that available yeah. for what it's worth. Hello, can't, can't get away with calling him a sleeper. Uh, Luis Patino at Boston at Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I always do that <laughs> because the state and the city sound too similar. They got the same. Get out of here, cat. They got the same name, so I always get confused. Uh, I, I'm yeah. not sure on him. Ross Stripling versus the Angels and versus the Mariners. I think that one's pretty interesting. Uh, he did have a good start today. 16 whiffs on 98 pitches. Six strikeouts, one walk, no earned runs in six innings. Was against Cleveland. So obviously caveats apply. But he's got uh, the Mariners next week. And caveats also apply against the Mariners. So I mean, he could throw a no-hitter. <laughs> he could. Anytime you got the... Uh, the the Mariners, Rangers, or or Cleveland. Uh, yeah, so Stripling, abnormally good start here on Thursday with the 16 whiffs especially. Mm-hmm. Eight came on the changeup. Normally think of his slider as his big swing and miss pitch whenever he does get swings and misses. So that was interesting to see that eight came on the changeup. Thir- three good starts in a row now, and actually a 3.39 ERA in his past 13 appearances. One of them wasn't a start. But a 339 ERA in his last 13. It's pretty good, Scott. That is a lengthy stretch of success there for Stripling. I, I still find him really hard to buy into. Now, now, basically, that stretch does coincide with him correcting a pitch tipping issue. But I really just don't trust the profile because there's not back not a lot backing up the success except for the success itself. Uh, but I could call him a sleeper. If, if we call that we call that a, a tautology, Scott. Okay, I'll just, take your word for yeah. it. It's a fancy word, I know. It's a ten cent word. You, you know a lot of fat, fancy words, so I would I would not second guess you on that. I, I I've been skeptical of Zach Thompson. We talked about him yesterday as someone who doesn't really need to be rostered, but 
at San Diego versus Chicago Cubs. He is an RP eligible pitcher. I think in a points league, you could probably roll with him. Not in a roto league. He's not getting the strikeouts he was early. But, you know, if he can just make it through that San Diego start, you know, if he gets eight points against San Diego, I think he's going to be a really nice starter for you next week. Yeah, because of that Cubs start. And I'm, it, it might be a reason to hold on to him for one more week. I can tell you, I'm not starting Zach Thompson in any league myself. And it's, it's worth reminding every now and then that when you have to come up with a certain number of sleeper pitchers <laughs> rostered below a certain threshold, they're, they're not all going to be good. Yeah. And so I, I hope you're not in a position where you have to look for sleeper pitchers. And generally speaking, I'm not. You know, I will say this. We always complain when it's like, oh, how can Patrick Sandoval still be so widely available? Why aren't you guys adding Joey Votto? They're doing uh-huh. you a favor, Scott. I know they're they making are. your job they easier. <laughs> Show some gratitude. But the thing is, they, they, those players like that end up standing out so much that they are just a fixture at the top of the sleeper yeah, list. Exactly. Just, just, it, just, it just leads to repetitive. It writes so itself, that's, baby. That's why it gets frustrating. No, I mean, John Gray, who's 78% roster, as we mentioned, that is a full-throated endorsement. Like, mm-hmm. John Gray, pick him up everywhere and start him for the two starts this week. But the other names we've gone over here, Patino, Stripling, Zach Thompson, and we'll... I'll, I'll go with Adrian Hauser, yeah. who's in my top 10 sleeper pitchers, Adrian Hauser at Chicago, at Pittsburgh. Great matchups. You'll be lucky if he goes five innings in both of them. He's pretty good at preventing runs because he's a good ground ball pitcher, but the whip's going to be high. Like, Yeah, I mean, I could see how if you're in a pinch looking to fill a, a pitcher spot this week and, and having to resort to the waiver wire, Adrian Hauser might be one of your best choices. But that doesn't mean he's a good choice, you know? It's just the best of bad options. All right, let's uh, move on to some of those sleeper pitchers. This is about half two-start guys, but some very interesting one-start pitchers as well. Starts with John Gray at Houston at San Francisco. Joe Ross at the Mets. Logan Webb versus Colorado. So that is at home, not on the road. That's, you know, I don't think you'd be endorsing him at Coors Field probably. Um Patino at Boston at Minnesota. Did I get it right that time? Yes. <laughs> I get it wrong nope, with man. the Vikings too, the Timberwolves. I just like, I can't. Well, I, I, I got to figure Indianapolis and, and Indiana must there because they're, they're actually teams that go by both of those. Yes. Indiana Pacers, Indianapolis Colts. Man. Oh man, they do go different. Loop. None yeah. of the ones in Minnesota go by Minneapolis. No. Man. Of course not. That's fun. Seems like something I should know. And yet, realize the offense that would be to all the St. Paulites out there. That's a good point. Minneapolis. It would be weird if they were the Minneapolis Twins. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that one. Those St. Paulites. Is that what they'd be? St. Paulites? St. Paulians? St. Paulites sounds right. Gotta say. St. Yeah, I don't know. Saints. St. Paul Saints. That's what they go. Uh, (laughs) Ross Tripling versus the Angels at the Mariners. Cole Irvin at Texas. Johnny Cueto at home versus Colorado. Zach Thompson at San Diego versus Chicago Cubs. Adrian Hauser at the Cubs at Pittsburgh. And Tarek Skubal at Baltimore. Uh, Those are your 10 sleeper pitchers for week 20. 10 sleeper hitters. Harrison Bader's the top one, Tyler O'Neill. So I'm going to go ahead and guess the Cardinals have pretty good matchups. At Pittsburgh, at Casey. Yeah, they're among the five best hitter matchups this week are the Cardinals. And then... you read those off? Well, and then we've got Colton Wong, Rowdy Telez, Lorenzo Cain. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess the Brewers have pretty good matchups too. The Brewers have the single best matchup of any team this week. In fact, the Brewers are one of just, let me count them up here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one of just seven teams playing seven games this week. Are the Brewers. At the Cubs and at Pittsburgh. It just so happens that most of those teams playing seven games have some tough pitchers on the schedule, but the Brewers do not. They're going against the Cubs, they're going against the Pirates in those seven games, and, uh, yeah, Colton Wong batting nearly 300 this year. Um, Rowdy Telez has been on a nice little power surge recently. Cooled off a little 
very recently, but only six, only one of the seven pitchers on the schedule is a left-hander. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, and then Lorenzo Cain's been hot since coming back from the IL. Yes, he has. Uh, so I, I like all three of those guys this week. Um, the White Sox have good matchups, so I have Andrew Vaughn and Cesar Hernandez on here. Uh, the Red Sox, Enrique Hernandez is still hot. I would stick with him for another week. And maybe, maybe, maybe uh, kind of the biggest gamble on this list is Mike Moustakis, who apparently is about to be activated for the Reds. So we'll, we'll get a chance to see him over the weekend. If, uh, if Mike Moustakis looks pretty good, then I think you'll want to activate him right away for week 20. The Reds aren't among the teams with the five aren't among the five teams with the best matchups, but their their matchups are still pretty good. They're going they got a seven game week. They're going against the uh, Cleveland for one game, Detroit for three and Texas for three. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. No, not Texas. I'm sorry, Philadelphia. Yeah. Sorry. I saw Ranger Suarez and I thought Texas, but no. All right, and then I uh, I'll just point out uh, Andrew Vaughn has obviously been disappointing this season, but he was really hot right before the All-Star break. Came back from the All-Star break, had one hit in his first five games. That's not what you want to see. But in 12 games since then, sorry, 13 games, he started 12 of the last 14 for the White Sox. So he's pretty much an everyday player. He is hitting 405 with a 1-1-1-1 OPS. That was four ones. So there's a period in there as well. Uh, only two home runs before doubles. Uh, five walks, eight strikeouts, and 47 plate appearances. So Andrew Vaughn really is starting to look like the guy we hoped he would be coming into the season, which is, uh, if you ask me, a very good thing. And I think he's under-rostered, even without the good matchups this week. I think he should be more rostered than well, he has been. You know, you want to go back even further? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the number I like to cite for Andrew Vaughn, and I'm sure you won't like it because it's an arbitrary... No, it's that May 23rd date, right? I was actually going to say June 15th. Ah, okay. Yeah, May 23rd is my arbitrary endpoint for Andrew Vaughn, but June 15th okay. works too. Yeah, June since June 15th, he's batting 319, 319 with seven homers and a 917 OPS. So, it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um... All right, so the rest of the best hitter matchups, you mentioned the Brewers, the Athletics, three at Cleveland, at Texas, the White Sox, three at Minnesota, three versus the Yankees, Red Sox, three versus Tampa, three versus Baltimore, Cardinals, three at Pittsburgh, three at Kansas City. The worst hitter matchups, uh, how many te- do any teams play only five games this week? The Astros do. Yeah, they're the only one. Um so they have the fifth worst matchups. They get two at home against Colorado, three on the road against the Angels. Phillies have the worst, three against the Dodgers, three against the Reds. Diamondbacks at San Francisco for two, four versus San Diego. Rockies at Houston for two, at San Francisco for four, so they get the negative park shift. And the Nationals at the Mets for three versus the Braves for three. So there you have it. The Week 20 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Line and Kugels. And Got to be honest, this week, hosting the podcast, writing the Fantasy Football Today newsletter, go to cbssports.com slash newsletters to sign up now, uh, and doing some other writing, I'm pretty exhausted. I'm f- running, running pretty low on resources here at the end of the week. But tomorrow, I'm, I'm going Frank. to... <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I think everyone agrees. Uh, tomorrow, I am going to really enjoy my day off I'm going to lounge on the roof deck, try to get a tan. Summer's almost over. I need to you know, make sure I got a nice base coat going into the winter. And I will be grabbing a handful of Line and Kugel's summer shandies beforehand. It's the perfect blend of crisp lemonade and refreshing beer. Perfect for a hot summer's day. Summer shandy isn't all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories, and I can tell you the low-calorie beers. It's a game changer, folks. I'm a big fan. And if you're into IPAs, Line and Kugels has their Lemon Haze IPA. It's a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with the flavor of delicious lemonade. So no matter what type of beverage you're craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to Liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com. Or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all the delicious beers that they brew. You know what I just realized, Scott? What? 
Oh my goodness. We didn't do all my goodness gracious. <laughs> so let's bring it in halfway through the show. Maybe a little more. Three quarters of the way more through the that. show. No, it's going to be a 90 minute show, Scott. I forgot to tell you. Uh, oh yeah. You were saying before we went on, you thought it'd be only 50 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, we could wrap it up right now. Uh, so my, oh my goodness gracious player. We talked about him a little earlier in this week, but just want to highlight how ridiculously hot Dansby Swanson has been. Uh, he went two for four with two doubles on Thursday. Over his last 24 games, yeah, 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 arbitrary endpoints are arbitrary, whatever. It's 24 games. That's an even number. It's fine. He's hitting 347 <laughs> with a 663 slug. He's got seven home runs and 10 doubles. He has been on a 50 homer pace and a 20 steal pace in that span. I believe he also has three steals with no caught stealings. Is this just a hot streak for Dansby Swanson, or do you think maybe he's figuring something out? Remember, you know, heading into last season especially, Dansby Swanson was a very popular breakout candidate. It didn't quite happen, but uh, he has yeah. his first 20 last homer season? season. It was fine. That's it was 809 OPS. He wasn't amazing. He was fine. It was his best season, but it wasn't I mean, he- an incredible season. He was a must-star fantasy player. Sure. He's, he's, he's never going to be like a top-five shortstop. He's never going to be like a top-five round pick, probably. But he's a good player. He's a good player. It's so a good have, fallback option at shortstop. Borderline top 12? The studs. Borderline top 12 right now? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What about you? Who's your oh-my-goodness-gracious player for the night? Have we already talked about them? We've mentioned his name. I would say Daniel Lynch is my, oh my goodness, gracious player of the yeah. night. Yeah. Daniel Lynch has had nothing but good starts since coming back from the minors. This is his third straight. Uh, allowed one earned run in five innings, struck out seven. But the, the stat that stood out, what do you think it is, considering I'm bringing it up, is X-fip. swinging strikes. Ah. <laughs> ah, that's the other one, yeah. Good, good call. But no, uh, in this case, it's swinging strikes. He had 17 of them, did Daniel Lynch, including 12 on the slider, which yeah. he threw more than any other pitch. That, that was, I, I'm pretty, I should double check this, but I'm pretty sure he'd been leading with his fastball. Like, that'd been his, like most pitchers, his most thrown pitch. Uh, but he used the slider a lot in this one against the White Sox, so not, you know, not a cupcake matchup by any means. And uh, Lynch. You know, the, the previous two starts were good, but this is the first time we've really he's really shown, like, bat-missing ability, yeah. which he was presumed to have. Yeah, remember, he was, when he got called up earlier this season, he was kind of the first exciting pitcher. I feel like he got called up, like, in a week or two into the season. Um, he got called up, I believe, before the minor league season started. Yeah. Which, it was delayed until May, but still. Yeah, um... Yeah, and he was I, a top twenty-five know. prospect coming into the season for at least Baseball America. I'm not sure about the other uh, publications, but he was a highly regarded prospect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was pretty lukewarm on him after those first two starts back. This start, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm on fire for him necessarily, but I'm I'm intrigued. He he seems to be trending the right direction. Your 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 eyes are open. Yeah. I think we can say. All right, let's talk about some of the other pitchers and. You know, like we said at the top of the show, not necessarily the best crop, but there were some interesting performances. And, you know, I, I would like to get your thoughts, Scott, first off on Tuki Toussaint, who went five and a third, five hits, two runs. So not a bad start. Two walks, only three strikeouts. That's the that's uh-huh. the, the the bummer for Tuki Toussaint. What do you what do you see out there from him? It wasn't a great start. I think it was a good enough start to hold on to him a little longer, though. Mm-hmm. He, he he bought himself another another turn on my fantasy teams with this start because uh, he got shelled last time. Previous two starts were great, mm-hmm. so three out of four now have been good enough on the least. right side of the ledger. So I'll give him another shot. I'll give him another shot. I'm not, you know, he he. If there's somebody amazing out there that you have, like, if you have to pick up John Gray and you yeah. have Tuki Toussaint, okay, drop Tuki Toussaint for John Gray. But in in most scenarios, just looking at the roster rates of of all the pitchers out there, I'd stick with Toussaint for another turn. See how that that one goes. Well, let's let's compare him to two other pitchers who started t- 
today and see who you'd rather have. Would you rather have Tuka Toussaint or would you rather have Joe Ross, who went six and a third, seven strikeouts, two walks, three earned runs against the Phillies? Yeah, I mean, even when, when Toussaint was in the middle of those having those two good starts, I was I was saying Ross just because the consistency of his season. But he has been one of the most baffling pitchers <laughs> this year because I don't really know what makes him good. And it's worth pointing out, his ERA is over four, but it's just right. the the percentage of bad starts has been really low. They've just been really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> to, given to up get that ERA 18 of his 43 earned runs in two starts. He had another with five, another with four, and, and, and sorry, another with five and two more with four. Mm-hmm. Two, three and, earned runs are fewer in every other start. And maybe it's better to look at the overall numbers than that game by game breakdown. Yeah, to to get a to, to get a idea who a pitcher is. That's probably a better way to do it. But but I will say the the process of setting your lineup every week makes it you know makes me makes me want to use Ross because obviously he keeps delivering. Yeah, quality starts in six out of his last nine. One of those other starts was a five shutout inning start, I believe, his first game back from the IL, so he only threw 72 pitches. Um, He's got 60 strikeouts in 54 and two-thirds innings over his last nine, so he is averaging six innings per start in that stretch. He's gone at least, uh, well, at least six in I believe seven of nine, actually. Nope, six of nine as well. So just as many as he's got quality starts. So, yeah, he has been really consistent lately. Um, and more than a strikeout per nine. So, yeah, I think Jarrah's pretty good. What about Tuki Toussaint or Tristan McKenzie, who went seven innings, gave up three earned runs, no walks, only four strikeouts. But I did note his uh, his average fastball velocity was up to... Uh, 93.3 miles per hour, which is, um, you know, a good sign for Tristan McKenzie because he's someone who we saw last season looked really good to start out and then his velocity really faded. But uh, he seems to be actually gaining this season, which is, uh, I think, a good sign for a very talented pitcher. Yeah. I think I'd prefer Toussaint. But it's not based on much. I mean, basically, McKenzie's had two awful starts since coming back, and Tucson has had just one. That's that's what I'm basing it on. I I think, I think they're both of a talent level where they could just blow up, and blow up in a good way. I mean, yes. take off. I guess is the better phrase to use. Uh, but it's not clear that it's happening for either. So I I you know I, I'd side a little more with Tucson, but. You know, I, I could understand the argument for going McKenzie instead. All right. Is there anything here with Merrill Kelly, who went eight shutout versus the Giants, four strikeouts, two walks? Anything there? I mean, it's kind of Joe ross in that he keeps delivering, but I'm not really sure why. 244 ERA now over his last nine starts. Yep. For Merrill Kelly, very in pitching very consistently deep into games, uh, he's done it. Those last nine starts, in spite of a low K rate, in spite of a low ground ball rate, and uh, his xFIP for the year is over four. I mean, his ERA of, of, for the year is over four too. Yeah. So they actually match up pretty well. I don't really trust it. I I I could see Merrill Kelly as a streamer type, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing more. Like I said, uh, not exactly an embarrassment of riches on the pitching crop today. Uh, what about Nestor Cortez, Nestor Cortez for the Yankees? He went five innings, two earned runs against Seattle. He has a 2.15 ERA on the season. Much of that was in relief, um, but he's been pretty good since being moved to the rotation. You know, four starts, um, only 13 strikeouts and 18 innings in those four starts, though. Does uh? Does Nestor Cortez have any value outside of a 15-team league? I don't think so. Maybe as a spark if he gets a two-week, two-start week. Right. I mean, I could see him as a matchups play. I could see him winding up on my sleep, my uh, sleeper pitchers list one of these weeks, just because I got to fill it out with a certain number of bad pitchers. <laughs> He's active. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, 
It's going to be interesting to see uh, because obviously Nestor Cortez got the the first shot of the two, but Luis Heal, mm-hmm. if he sticks around once Cole and Montgomery are back, or if he gets sent down and Cortez keeps the job, because I'd rather at this point, you know, for my own selfish reasons, Luis Heal see what he has, what he can offer. I think he's certainly more talented than Cortez. So that's that. That's it. That's where I am. All right, and I'll just throw out Tariq Skubal. Five shot innings, four starts, one wa- four strikeouts, one walk against Boston. Did give up nine hard hit balls. He has failed to go six innings in four of his last six starts. But you know, it was nice to see him, you know, kind of turn his slide around. the The strikeout rate has fallen lately. He's got twenty seven strikeouts over his last six starts. That's in a stretch of thirty two innings. So you know, you you'd like to see more from Tarek Skubal. Uh, let's get to the bullpen. I don't. Were there any other pitchers? I guess one we'll we'll need to mention: Spencer Howard, two and a third, uh, three hits, three earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. We'll see what he can develop into, but yeah, uh, clearly not there yet. I do want to mention a few pitchers. Go ahead and mention them. Actually, if I may, mention a few quickly. Uh, Dylan Bundy had a good start. Yeah. No earned runs in six and a third innings. Struck out six. Average like 90 miles per hour. Average 90 miles per hour with his fastball. Yeah, the velocity was down. It was his first good start since April. (laughs) I'm not buying back into Dylan Bundy based on this start. I I feel like it needs to be said. Yeah, sure. Um, Alex Wood had a bad start. Four earned runs in four innings. Ten base runners allowed in those four innings. Four earned runs last time, too. Yeah. But a five, a good five-star stretch before that. I mean, he's there. There have been a lot of ups and downs, but uh, still a three sixty-nine xFIP, still a good ground ball rate with more than a strikeout per inning. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's decent. Obviously, more of a matchups play than a must-start guy, and and more valuable in points leagues because of the relief pitcher eligibility. Um, but. You know that's that that's that's as far as I'd go with him. And Braxton Garrett had a curiously dominant start again, <laughs> dominant because he got 15 swinging strikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one runs in five innings. That's good, obviously. Four walks, five hits, so a lot of base runners. But 15 swinging strikes after his previous turn in the majors. Remember, he had 10 strikeouts in seven innings. Mm-hmm. He had a ba- bad minor league start in between those two starts. So. I'm still, uh, I'm still not buying into Braxton Garrett, but um, yeah, that, it, it was interesting. For the second straight major league start with a bad minor league start in between, we can say he at least stood out. Yeah, what was? Did he get a lot of whiffs on the slider today? Uh, it was actually well distributed between five different pitches. I think okay. the most he had on any one of those five pitches was four whiffs. Yep, yep. He had four whiffs on the four-seamer and four on the sinker, so eight okay. on the slider, I guess, or fastball, I guess. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know if the the stuff is there, so he'll have to be, you know, a pretty good command pitcher and you know, four walks. Four walks and five innings, yeah. <laughs> doesn't, uh, you know, isn't much hope for, or much reason for optimism. Let's, uh, Let's move on to some bullpen notes. Anthony Bender did get his second save of the season for the Marlins. I don't know if Dylan Flora was available, but it wasn't exactly a great outing for Bender. He gave up one earned earned run, a hit, and a walk, one strikeout in his inning against the Mets. So, Flora had worked three of the previous four days, so I just suspect he wasn't available. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Jake McGee got a save. Tyler Clippard, uh, poor guy, got a save opportunity, blew it. he came in in a tough situation, but he hit hit a batter, gave up two singles to allow two inherited runners to score to blow the save. Uh, Archie Bradley got the save for the Phillies, gave up one unearned run. Uh, Jose Alvarado pitched in the seventh and was not good. Three hits, one walk in that inning. So I don't know. I mean, Ian Kennedy. He, he had also worked three the previous four days. Yeah. Though y- yesterday he only threw two pitches. Yeah, I I assume it was a day off, but it is kind of funny that 
It's surprising. Since they acquired him, he has no saves, and two other pitchers <laughs> in that bullpen have a save. Yeah. Um, Earl Chapman got the save for the Yankees. He's been excellent since the All-Star break. 16 strikeouts and 10 innings. Seven straight saves successful. Um, Adam Simber got the save for the Blue Jays versus Cleveland, but presumably Jordan Romano was just getting a day off. Um, Daniel Bart. two or three. What's that? He had worked two or three. Yep. Though it is notable that Hand was well rested. Brad Hand was well rested, and they went with Adam Simber instead. Yeah, I don't know. Has Hand really hasn't pitched much since getting to the Blue Jays, has he? I think only two appearances. Yeah. Um, Jacob Brent's got a save for the Royals. You think there's anything there? I mean, Holland and Barlow both worked. Mm-hmm. And they've been the guys most recently we thought were the front runners there, but like, I just I really don't think it matters. It's it's like the Orioles bullpen. All right, Kyle Finnegan blew the save, gave up three hits, four unearned runs with one K, but like, it was one of those ones where it was like I think the first out of the inning or the second out of the inning uh, was a throwing error, and then he got hit. So I don't think you can really look at the four unearned runs and say, well, he pitched well. He didn't. Um, and obviously not someone that we think has a ton of job security. So if you were speculating for the Washington bullpen, who would you look to? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nobody. We talked about it yesterday. My, my backup in my bullpen report. Got sent down. Um, next in the pecking order is a guy in the minor leagues right now, Tanner Rainey. So, yeah. Uh, look, I don't think Finnegan loses his job based on this one outing, but I, I agree he's he's not – Certainly not a closer caliber reliever, but they just don't have anyone else. Sure. Uh, Alex Colomay got a one-out save, and then there was something really, really curious that I want to keep an eye on over the weekend. Uh, Alex Reyes came on uh, in the seventh inning, I believe. No, the eighth inning. Um, With two outs, one on with a game-tied 4-4 after Giovanni Gallegos gave up a home run. His line went hit-by-pitch walk walk that scored a run walk that scored a run walk that scored a run before being pulled from the game that is a very 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 bad outing for alex reyes even accounting for the fact that he walks a lot of guys so (laughs) you know i I guess they were looking for a four out save there they certainly didn't get that that kind of blew the game open for the braves hopefully there's nothing there hopefully it was just a a random bad outing that looked especially bad he walks so many guys, so many. Like people were flipping out before the season how many guys James Karinchak walks and it's child's play compared to what Alex Reyes does. So I, I kind of feel like he's yeah. been getting away with it all year. The thing is Karinchak gets hit hard and Reyes doesn't. Reyes has a three eleven X Wobon contact allowed, so that's one Even key so. different with with them. Um one you didn't mention, though, in the bullpen here, Michael Givens got a save for oh, the Reds. I did Very conventional one-inning one save with a three-run lead. Michael Lorenzen got a save, I believe it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. But it was a five-out we save. And we are thinking, oh, okay, maybe he's the front runner because uh, he hasn't failed yet. Well, Givens was recently acquired. He hasn't failed yet in the role for the Reds. And he has, you know, having spent most of this year in Colorado, he has a 234 ERA on the year. So maybe it'll be Givens. Uh, not willing to say it after one save, especially the way David Bell's hand managed that bullpen all year. But I think Givens is at least, at least somebody you got to think about. Such are the meager joys in the Cincinnati bullpen that he hasn't failed yet is a <laughs> uh, vote of confidence. And um, I'll just throw out a couple of hitter things before we go. Jared Kalanick hit a Yankee Stadium home run today. So, you know, it's good to see him get one on the board, but it was a cheapie. Joey Votto and Jonathan India both homered. They've remained red hot. Kyle Farmer also went three for four. He's remained red hot. Uh, There's a little pun for you. Trevor Story hit two home runs versus the Cubs. Hope you tried to trade for him like we told you to on Tuesday. Uh, Chris Bryant went three for five with two doubles. Josh Bell, three for five, three run uh, home run in this one. He's hitting 278 with 35 homers and 115 RBI pace since May 1st. He's only got like an 840 OPS, but he's been pretty good after outside of the very, very, very bad, no good, rotten, horrible start to the season. 
So. Yeah, you're 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 saying pace in terms of you're you're presuming a certain number of games. Yeah, that's 162 game pace. Okay. Because yeah, the big problem that I've seen with Bell and when you know I'm, I'm, he has performed well since April, mm-hmm. but they still sit him. It's been less lately, but still more than you'd like. Yeah. For for Ryan Zimmerman, so that's annoying. And then one last one. I'm sorry, I'm trying to look something. Jonathan up. India is that the one? Uh, I did mention yep. him already. No, Hoy Park oh. for the Pirates. Oh. Uh, he let off, I believe he's let off twice for them since they acquired him. He went two for four with a run, a walk, a strikeout. Had a very, very good minor league season. We've mentioned him a handful of times. Um, I'm sure when Frank gets back, he'll lament that the Yankees traded him because he's been decent for the Pirates. But he's interesting just because he does have good plate discipline and stolen base potential. So I can see him having a good close to the season. That is Hoy Park for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that is it for the Chris Towers hosted week of fantasy baseball today. Frank Stamfel will be back on Sunday and I hope, you know, he doesn't, I don't think he's been listening. He, he messaged, texted me like, Hey, how's the pods been going so far? And I was like, I don't know. Fine. I guess not that many people have complained. I hope he doesn't get back and be like, Oh my God, you broke everything. So he will. That sounds so much like Frank. That's true. He's a very high strung person. We'll see you. Uh, on Sunday, Monday when you listen, if you don't watch the show on YouTube. And uh, we'll be back then. See you later. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.